What does it take to get beyond the damage of words? I'm Katrina Collier. Join me each week as I explore what it takes to step into a happier future. My guests are sharing their stories of when they realized that they needed help and what it took to take that first step so that you leave inspired and maybe even start on your own path to self-love, care, compassion, and of course, happiness. So without further ado, let's hear their stories. Ingrid Morgan, welcome to Beyond the Damage of Words podcast. I'm so thrilled to talk to you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, welcome. Yes, today, today is a good day. Yeah, well, I hear you've yeah. got sunshine, so I'm just not going there with the jealousy yeah. department. I'm seeing, I'm seeing blue skies, which is, um, which is a positive, always a win. Yeah, I'm clearly in the wrong part of the UK. Um, <laughs> Southeast London is not sunny. Mm. So tell me, how did you start on your healing journey? What happened to lead you in that direction? So I can probably pinpoint the, the start of the healing process to when I was in my very late teens, so like 18, 19, mm-hmm. which, is, which is when I hit absolute rock bottom and I had no choice but to start climbing up from there. Oof. Um, so just a bit of background for people, I suppose, when, when the main trauma in my life was when I was five um, and my mm-hmm. dad committed suicide, um, which obviously needs no explanation. Mm-hmm. It had uh, a massive impact on, on all of us. And I think we probably didn't even realise the impact that it would continue to have in, in years to come. Um, ripple, that ripple that just yes. continues on and on. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and you, 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 you never get over it. You don't. Um, and the trauma never goes away that you, you will be affected by it forever. It's just kind of, I guess, how you, how you learn to deal with it or how much you let it affect you as your, as your life goes on. And, um, I was a very disturbed teenager. You know, we also emigrated from South Africa to England when I was 11, which is an awkward age to move. Um, and then you lost your accent altogether. Say again. (laughs) You did lose your accent altogether, though. Oh, yes, completely gone. <laughs> completely gone. Probably a good thing. Um, and yeah, I was I was a disturbed teenager and um, mm. went down some very dark routes, um, which ended in me uh, taking an overdose when I was, I think, nineteen, not eighteen. Um, mm. And it was a very serious attempt. Um, I was very upset when it didn't work. You know, um, refused yeah. to give the hospital my mum's details because I just didn't want to be sent home and have to sort of start all over again um so it was, it was that was a really hard time um but it was also just miraculously the best thing that could have happened because it made me it did two things actually it made me address the problem um rather than burying it away kind of forced me to talk about it and it's funny once you start talking it all comes out and it all really helps. Um, and the other thing that it did is it, it it made me understand the position that my my dad had been in. I think that was the biggest game changer for me. Um, having spent the previous years being incredibly angry, as we talked about, mm. at him abandoning me and how could he be so selfish and um, and also the frustration anger, like why did you do it? You know. Um, yeah. And yeah, now I you were. Mm. Hey, you were in about to do the same thing. Exactly. Like you got to that. Gosh, that would give you a serious case of empathy, wouldn't it? Yeah. So it was, really, was, sorry, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, you go. <laughs> was you the, realize, 
that you're not in you're not doing it out of anything selfish in fact it's mm. almost the opposite you almost feel like you're doing people a favor which is just yes so sad to look back on and that anybody it's would ever falsehood think. it's mm. false isn't it as well mm. like i look at you know my mum's first husband's suicide and it again it was probably he was at that point he thought and then you just see the damage and the fallout yeah. So yeah. you've talked about, I mean, was it when you started talking, was it that releasing that, all that anger? Had you sort of suppressed it and held it inside before thinking you couldn't release it or what, what sort I, of? Yeah, I think. What was I, the talking about? I don't know why I had suppressed it before. I just, I couldn't talk about it. If it ever came up, you know, between me and my mum, it would, I would just go to, to rage point, not at her, just at the situation. So it did get bottled down and it came out in, in various other horrible ways. Mm. Um, I didn't start therapy straight away. I think I just, I kind of had to start talking more openly with the people closest to me. You know, people had questions. Um, I started doing a little bit of reading now that I understood this, you know, this term depression um, yeah. and trauma and, and, and things like that. I found quite eye-opening you know I can I can talk later if you want about a book that I read in in more recent years that was was really quite life-changing for me as well and I've just I've just kind of forced myself to become the kind of person that talks really openly to to anyone not inappropriately um but you know when when it's when it's the right kind of situation I will be really open about my mental health and about my dad's suicide um because it helps me to address it and to yeah. not bury it and not forget it and all of that. And it also gives really other people to talk. Yeah, and which is how I, well, I mean, we were connected, but it mm. was more I saw the post that you'd written yeah. uh, for men, really, and it was mm. like, oh, hang on, I want to hear your story. But I feel mm. it's it's when we step into that vulnerability and when we are open, it gives other people permission Exactly. To be that. open. And you just don't know whose life you're saving as well mm-hmm. by you just being, because, you know, they're not necessarily going to let you know, but that yeah. impact. Yeah. You can I think I, I studied psychology at uni and I, I seem to remember it's called something like um, mutual disclosure. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be about trauma, but just generally the, mm-hmm. if you share a little bit about yourself, the other person shares a little bit and you kind of, you go back and forth until you're both very, mm-hmm. very open. And I do find because I'm a very open person, mm-hmm. um, other people will will come to me with things that I'm not necessarily the closest person to them, but they'll come and tell me these really deep personal things because mm. I think they know they can trust me because I've trusted yeah. them, you know. And I think also because it's the no judgment. Yeah, absolutely. Like you just you just hear it, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. that's what people need as well. Yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. Oh. So that's that's been a big one for me. The the talking about it um, and continuing to do so. Some of the other things I think, I think when you, when you, when you've suffered with some kind of trauma, especially at a young age, you, you end up making some wrong choices as you then continue to go through life. So obviously, yeah. obviously um, we've got to so divert when, from the pain and make yeah. some wrong choices. So we don't yeah. feel it for a while there. <laughs> Whether it's things like, you know, choosing the the, the wrong crowd to hang out with choosing mm. choosing the wrong job even the wrong lifestyle the like you, you kind of create a persona that isn't really you and then that in itself leads to um mm. just a lot of like anguish and 
that feeling of inauthenticity. Is that a word? Yes, it um, is. <laughs> a tongue twister today, but it's definitely a word. But it's like, it's actually a way of numbing. It's a way of distracting mm. yourself from yeah. feeling the pain. It's like I'll, I'll go hang out with those people. Um, in fact, I was talking to my mentee earlier, and he was talking about um, he pays it forward. He goes, "Oh, well, I'm a coach for this, and I do this, and I do this." And I'm going, "Yeah, it's all distracting you from dealing with your pain because mm. you mm. have no time, right?" He went, yeah. "Oh." Yeah. Even though it I seems would. what he's doing is wholesome, it's like, but you're still not, you're avoiding what you need mm. to heal. To yeah. Heal. I think avoidance is, is, is probably the biggest problem. And I mean, I, mm. I've, I've been lucky that a couple of times in my life now, in my adult life, I've been able to make some really big dramatic changes, um, you know, like quitting a career path, moving cities, um, blah, 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 things like that, which mm. not, in, not in a runaway sense, not at all, in much mm. more in a, this is not right for me. I'm yeah. going to jump off the building and build the parachute on the way down and just create something new and weave more positive things into my life. Now, I know that's mm. not possible for everyone, right? Because at the time I didn't have family and, and things like that. Mm. Um, but that's been a big one for me to just try and be a bit more true to myself. Um, what were the signs that you weren't being true to yourself? What were you feeling or or experiencing that made you go what am I doing this is I suffered a lot of panic attacks um really quite severe ones debilitating not just like oh I'm feeling really anxious and a bit sweaty but like almost physical rigidity not being able to breathe like extreme hyperventilation um and things like that and it just that was a real shock to me when that started happening that was a whole new thing alongside the depression and I was like god what is this um and I couldn't tell whether it was work-related or life-related, but it was like a fear response to something that just wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, certainly since so 2019 was the last time I, I sort of did this, this big, big life change that centered around a career change and having more flexibility, more variety in my life, more creativity, more downtime, all of those things. Mm. Um, and I've had a couple of panicky episodes since then when my anxieties peaked again but in on the whole you know I'm, I'm much more mentally stable yeah and is that because you're now aware sort of what the source is and you have like tools to help you to soothe or what what what's changed mind you've got back into your art haven't you as well I've got but that's really a big important. thing I've got I've got this creative outlet not just a creative outlet obviously that I think for anybody that's that's a fantastic thing to have but art is so true to who I am and what I want to do it's been Mm. a really cathartic thing to to have back in my life Mm. um stepping away from like the busy busy lifestyle I think like 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 you like you said about um Mm. this coach force you know if, if, if you're if you're not allowing yourself time to just be still be chill what, whatever it is, you know, it doesn't have to be some like, oh, I'm doing yoga all the time or going for beachside walks. It's like, it can be anything. Just yeah. be still. Don't make too many plans. Don't fill every gap in your calendar with something to do. Mm. Yeah, And that's what my life used to be like. So now now I really feel it when my, when my diary gets a bit too busy, albeit with positive things, I start to get overwhelmed. Um, and I need I some routine, some regularity, some calmness. Mm. 
Yeah, it's funny. It's 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 quite liberating to sort of just say I'm not available, even if it's like, oh, well, actually, I'm staying at home and just watching TV, so I don't have to yeah. do something. Yeah, and do you know, do you know what I found? People that never query if you say was... you're not available. They never yeah. ask you why you're not available. <laughs> but I will legitimately take it from my friends if they go, do you know what? Do you, do you mind if I don't if I don't do tonight or this afternoon? I'm just mm. feeling all peopled out. Rubbish. Just need yeah. some time by myself, and I'm like, absolutely, thank God that you. Felt that you could say that to me, you know? Yeah. And so I'll, I'll say it to other people. What led you to the stillness? Was there a, like a moment, was it part of this change in 2019 where you were able to just be still? I find a lot of people yeah. kind of struggle the first time they need to be still, be it meditating, yeah. yoga, whatever it is. That It was It was a, definitely a, a transition. Um, so when I, when I, quit my job I went out to South Africa where where I was born um for three months and stayed with some very close friends of the family the um woman mother of the household is um an artist so I wasn't working I was just Mm. just kind of being mentored but also just working in her space with her um I didn't have a job I didn't have a social life around me um I didn't have money to be spending and going out all the time I was doing yoga quite regularly and just going for like local runs so that really helped take me completely away from the pace of life that I had been in which was Mm. recruitment at the time which anybody who understands recruitment as you do it is not a relaxed lifestyle so it was was, pressure and reactivity and yeah stress yeah yeah. um and when I came back I remember thinking that one one thing that was really important in this three months where I just was trying to figure everything out Mm. I needed to make sure I, I didn't want to work five days a week. I wanted to have a job that only required me to work the hours that were set, not an extra two mm-hmm. every day, three every day. So, I mean, having my, my Fridays was my studio day. So I found a communal studio and I would go in there and I would put my headphones on and I would paint all day. And it was just, yeah, it was a wonderful time. I mean, honestly, I almost felt a bit smug at how beautifully things had worked out and so happy I was that I had made that dramatic, scary decision to just leave my career. I had just bought a new car on finance. I was the only one paying my mortgage. I didn't have any savings accounts. So, and I just quit mm. like that. So it was, yeah. it was a bit scary, but it, it worked out and it was just the best thing. And I am, it's I was funny, financially a lot worse off, but. Yeah, but emotionally so much better and it's funny because yeah. the universe always delivers like we always mm. we, it's it, it's almost like the the papers and the press have us in this scarcity yeah mindset that you know oh god i'm cashing the bank and yeah. it's head down whereas actually when you go the other way you know gut yeah. and heart up which is what you did you're like oh, this is what i need to be yeah. emotionally healthy then yeah. the opportunities arrive that, i mean it's was, like you know was, people yeah. will be listening kind of going oh well like you know there are no four day well no there are four day a week mm-hmm. jobs out there there are mm-hmm. part-time jobs there are there is all sorts just you have mm-hmm. to decide that there are there yeah and i actually had i had two, two day a week jobs um and, and, and that fitted in and, and again they both kind of just fell into my lap and they were both it just all worked out perfectly I almost couldn't believe it and yeah whether whether you believe in spirituality or the universe or just I don't know just good luck magic it was, yeah it was one of those things that was just the right yeah. thing to do 
I do think what you think you get, so that's why mm. people have to be careful. I mean, it's that thing, isn't it, where you like think, oh, X hasn't rung me for ages, and boom, they send a message or they call, or it's that yeah, yeah. you know we had that capability, so it's like be careful mm. what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Thinking that it, it's all going to be crap; it'll all be crap. So, did you go the professional route? Did you end up having because you alluded to therapy mm. at the beginning? Did you yeah. go that route? That, go that path? How was that? Yeah. So I've I've um. I've obviously had had my my medication, um, various different types, on and off for twenty years. Um, I have now found a nice stable point with it. Um, mm. It's something that, again, I alluded to in the in the the, the LinkedIn post that you saw that mm. it's not for everyone. And even if it does really help, it's certainly not a uh, a solution to the problem. It's it's just the symptoms, mm. um, and even that it, it it just dulls it down. You know, it doesn't take it away yeah. completely. So you've, you've you've got to address the the problem underneath and yes i've tried i've had various different like short snippets of therapy but never gelled with a therapist until i found this one guy called graham it was all um it was all on over over zoom or whatever we were using at the time um and i had a good connection with him and that's actually something i think has stayed that yeah. there is so much online now which is mm. great. Who wants yeah. to drag their button to town for an hour meeting when you can just jump on a Zoom? Exactly. And also, if you have a bit of a traumatic session, you don't want to then be like, you know, crying on the train on the way home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I spoke to him for eight months, once a week for eight months. and Amazing. It was funny. At the, at the time, we, do you know what? We barely talked about my dad. This is what really shocked me. I was like, surely he's going to just dig up all this past trauma. And he didn't really. We talked about the present and, and the future. Mm. And you can't tell at the time if it, you're not like, oh, I'm feeling so much better. I feel like this person has cured me. That's not how it works. No. It, it, he just obviously just planted seeds and just helped me change my way of thinking. And it did have a big impact. I just, the, the one thing I remember him saying specifically was, Ingrid, you've got to stop prioritizing your future self. So I was always thinking, it'll be different when 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 I have a job that's X, Y, Z, or it will be different when I have a partner, or, or maybe if I have kids, it will be different if then. So I've just I've just got to get there, and then everything will be okay. And he was like, I really wow. hope all these things happen for you, and I believe that they will. Hmm. But if they don't, you really need to focus on yourself now and and make yeah. sure now. Um, and that was that was a big thing that stuck with me. That again was probably at the start of leading me to make these big changes. I remember when I made this change, I wanted to email him. I should have done and gone, Graham, you'll, <coughs> you'll never guess what. All of the things that I said I wanted to do, I'm doing them. I made the change. Um, I'm sure you could message yeah. him now and he would still appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, he had, he, had a, he had a big influence on me. Um, the other thing I, you know, Just, I said- It's I mean, funny how it's like a one comment, isn't it, that somebody mm. makes that makes you go, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's interesting you've said the word cure a few times. And so I mm. said to- I spoke to my friend Lynn Hanford Day, who's also been on the podcast. I, I, I'd seen a comment on Instagram and someone had said, oh, you know, I, I, I had the sessions I could have on the NHS and, you know, now I'm, I, I, there's nothing else. And it's like, mm. it's almost like they go to the NHS for a cure. The mm. NHS can only offer so much. And it's like, my thing was, why, why don't they put their hand in their pocket? Like maybe cut the shoe fund or the holiday mm. fund or the, I, I don't know. And I'm being a little flippant, but like, don't they want to invest in themselves? Yeah. And do the deeper stuff, which you've talked about as well, because yeah. it's it takes time to heal. It's not a quick fix. We can't just go get a cure. It's like yeah. no, not at all. Eye opener for me yesterday it was like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. They're just looking for that quick win, and it's like no, it mm. takes time. Mm. 
and there's different kinds of therapy you know you've got the, your CBT which wasn't right for me you've got group mm. therapies I think a lot of those are actually free I mean yes some of them do cost money but as you said yeah. oh, there's so are many options couldn't find the money for it but it, it's funny how much if you really want something there are things in your life that you can cut back on to yeah. pay that you know 50 60 quid a session even if it's yeah. a couple of times a month it's it can it can make a real a real Just difference home on Friday night yeah yeah, I mean, that was all that was going through my mind. I mean, because it was funny because um, it didn't enter my head not to pay for it myself at any mm-hmm. point. It was like once I started seeing how great it was and how great I was feeling, yeah. like you were yeah. saying, like, if you start, you're like. I think if, if you could say to people, pay the money and you will definitely get the outcome you're looking for, they would do it. But it but it is a bit tough, you know, it, it's hard Agreed. to say whether it's going to work or whether you're going to click with the right therapist straight away or how yeah. long it's going to take, what the outcome's going to be, you know, but it's it's got to be worth trying. Actually, right? what do you think it was about him that made you click with him, with him even? Do you know what? Funny, <laughs> I just from the beginning because, because my sister had um, been speaking to him. Mm. So she went, why don't you try this guy? He's really nice. He also had he just had a very calm way about him. Very Mm. calm. He was happy to make jokes. He was happy for me to make jokes. I didn't feel like I was in this like formal doctor's setting. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I I knew, so a lot of what he worked with, one of his specialities was working with um, teenagers who had drug Mm. problems and things like that. So I knew there, there was just, I knew there was nothing I could say that would be faux pas or that would shock him or I better not mention that. I just, just felt very, very open with him. Um, yeah, which is so important, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, because some of the stuff you share is just, mm. you do feel that, like, vulnerability to kind of go, okay, now, now I'm going to say this. And Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's a process. It's scary. It is a bit scary. Um, um, actually, that's why people. I've written some of my <clears throat> worst behaviour, that's the good mm-hmm. way of putting it, into my memoir because I'm just like, and it's it's not I I didn't go the drug route. I actually yeah. got very addicted to cigarettes so fast I knew that if I touched drugs I'd be off. Mm-hmm. So thank God that happened and I did actually connect the dots. Um but behavior to like ex-partners and things like that. I've just mm. I've written it all out because I'm like this is yeah. how I was behaving. These are all symptoms that there's mm. a, a deep trauma. And that and that's what. fine to own that as well. Oh, like, I saw a, Yeah. Oh, what's her name? Dawn French went on uh, Graham Norton's show the other day. I just saw a little oh, clip of files. I have that yes, book sitting right. over there to read. Yeah. <laughs> she's just written down all of the twatty things she's done in her life. And it yeah. must be so liberating to go, yeah, yeah, I did this and it was really stupid, but it's okay because <laughs> we all do it. Um, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's sitting there underneath, um, oh, what's her name? Margoyles. Goyles. I'm finishing her memoir mm-hmm. at the moment. So it's next in the pile. Yeah, I think I'm quite funny. A read, a laugh, if if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, totally. So, Speaking of um, books, I wanted to, to just, just say. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, please, please. Such a helpful one. And um, I bought it for my mum for Christmas. Um, I lent it to friends. It's called Lost Connections by Johan Hari. And I love Johan Hari. Yeah, I really want to read it again now that I'm in a different place in my life mm-hmm. and, and just see how it compares. Um but yeah, it just talks about all of the things we've kind of lost in modern society, all of the things that are, are, are stopping us from feeling connected and authentic and all of those things um, mm. and leading to that feeling of, of being a bit 
a bit lost, in despair, depressed. Yeah. And I think that was, again, some seeds planted in me of finding more valuable, meaningful things in my life. Mm. Sometimes it takes dramatic change. Your present life, mm. not your future life. life. Yes. I love that. I yeah. really love that. And did he have, because I read his stolen focus and you basically get to the end and he doesn't have the answer. Were, were there answers? Were there things where it was like, like, here are some obvious ways you might be losing connection or was it? I honestly can't remember how he concluded it because it was years ago now that I read it. Um, gosh, I don't know how many years ago, but yeah, a while, a while back. Yeah. Um, I just remember he gave some very good real life examples of mm. um, people or, you know, either individuals or societies or cultures um, mm. and where they were either getting things wrong or where they were getting things right. Um, yeah. And it was just that I found very kind of mm. eye opening, you know, like silly things like there was some city in Brazil somewhere that had banned all advertising. So no billboards, oh, no, no magazine advertising, oh. nothing like that. So oh, you were not, um, you were never bombarded with what adverts do, which basically goes, you are lacking in some way. You're lacking yeah. this piece of product. You're lacking this yeah. appliance. You're lacking this, you know, shiny watch that you constantly feel, A, that you need oh. stuff that you can't get or that you, yeah, or that you're lacking as a, as an individual. Mm. And yeah, there was, there was statistics about, you know, the levels oh. of depression going down and, and things like that. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, another example was a, uh-huh. a, a a shop of some sort. I want to say it was a bike shop or something. And basically they got rid of any hierarchical structure. So they were just all on the same level. They all had the same share in the business. Yeah. Again, I'm sort of scraping at details here because it was a while ago. Right. But making a way that, you know, having the feeling of ownership, of responsibility, mm. of, of value, of contribution. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just such an eye-opening book to read. I, and you I love the way he writes as well, because you I mean he's a journalist, isn't he? So yeah. he writes in that way. It's all quite, you know, well researched and put together. Yeah. yeah. And, and very easy to read as well. Yes. He makes yeah. it very accessible, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that with stolen focus. And I love that he didn't he was trying to say it's not our fault that we're addicted yeah. to these phones. So he yeah. has explained that much. He just hasn't necessarily solved the problem of how to not be. Um which he, he's really same. honest about. It's the same thing with, with therapy, isn't it? It's not necessarily mm. about giving you an answer because there, there is never an answer. Yeah. Um, it's helping you to, if you can understand more your thought processes or your behaviours, yeah. it's much easier to then just slowly start changing them. Yeah. Yeah. Even, sometimes like, that even happens naturally. You don't have to go, right, I'm going to change this. Sometimes mm. just by understanding it, it yeah. is part of the evolution of you you know getting to that place exactly or it's the why am I thinking about that so I always have my default to think about my dog so the second I realize I'm thinking about something completely negative and is of no value to me and why am I even thinking about it It was 20 years Mm. ago I go straight to thinking about banjo or my past dog because it's just an immediate happy memory because but it's you have to become that like consciously aware Mm. of what you're thinking which is a process but I think when you start the self-work, you then start that process mm-hmm. of kind of go, why am I thinking about that? Or why am I dramatizing that? Because it could go a thousand different ways. And and that was yeah. one of the things, again, with the memoir is that, you know, I realized, I thought it was sort of my journey from self-hate to self-love. Then I realized actually it was to the self-mastery bit, which is like what you're talking about. It's that awareness mm-hmm. and it's that yeah. great willingness to do something like being curious about your emotions and the situations. And mm-hmm. um, and that's why I I don't want anyone to think it's a formula 
No, it's what I happen to do. But I know mm. people who've got their completely different ways. Find your thing, which is kind of why I asked the therapy question of you, like why that therapist? Because yeah. yeah. there's so many that keep trying. What else? And also it's not even, I mean, obviously you're you're in a, a different place to where you were years ago and you've, you've got mm. these tools and, and, and all of that, but you it's you've got to continue to learn. Like it's never just like, oh, I've done it. I've passed the test. Now I can just get on. You know, there's gonna, it's going to always try and creep its way back in. I think this is something I've been aware of. Issues with my depression, with my anxiety mm-hmm. and with my dad, um, thought processes around that. You know, it does, okay. it is, it's always, there's always a threat of it creeping back in. Yeah. So you've got to kind of, it's like a muscle, right? You've got to keep keep yes. using these these tools that you have, the attitudes and perspectives yeah. that you're trying to maintain. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the realization yeah. of, okay, hang on, this feels familiar. Am I going down the familiar path? Yeah. You know, our brains want to take yeah. us down the same path. It's easier for them. It's like, okay, but I don't wish mm. to go down that path. Mm. I know what's going on here. Yeah. And it's then, you know, using whatever methods it is, either to heal it or to self-soothe mm. or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it goes back to talking about it, being really honest with my husband, with my friends, with my family. Um, Thankfully, I now work for my sister so I can do it at work as well and say, I'm having a a mental health blip, you know. Um, Mm. And And how how has he provided support? Because probably part of the reason we're divorced, and I don't think he'd be bothered by Mm. me saying this, but like sometimes I would say to my ex husband, like, I'm feeling this and because of his trauma, he would end up angry thinking he'd done something wrong. And it's like, oh gosh, I can't win here. I'm just trying to tell yeah. you. Like, yeah, no, we're much better now. We're yeah. really good divorced. Great yeah. friends. <laughs> we should never have got married. Um, <laughs> I love interviews. What were we thinking? Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. It, so how's he provided that support? I'm thinking if anyone's listening and actually they yeah. need to provide, what does he do yeah. that makes you feel like I can go, you know what, I'm having a shit day, leave me be. I, I remember the first time I had a really bad um, depressive episode. It was it was it was longer and more severe than than usual. And he was he was so so wonderful. It actually made me look at him with slightly different eyes. I was like, wow, you've really stepped up here. No one's ever done this before. And it was just basically making me feel like I was in a completely safe place where I didn't need to worry about anything. I could, if I wanted to just lie in a dark room, I could do that. If I wanted to sit on the sofa and drink wine or eat ice cream, I could just do that. And he was just Mm. gentle and just gave me space. I think he was like, would always check in and let me know that he was there, Mm. but not forcing me to talk, not forcing me to do anything, just basically giving me a safe, protected space where I could just ride, ride it out. Yeah. Um, Feel it and release it. Yeah. And that was, that was lovely. That was all I needed and you know obviously yeah. us, we're very good communicators so when the opportunity comes I do want to talk about certain things then mm. he's very open with me I'm very open with him but um but yeah just providing that gentle safe space for someone it's it's, it's all they need sometimes yeah. I think I yeah and I think that's a good key to partnership as well I will mm. choose better next time you know because like we're really open about some things but you know like I'm not open about my spirituality with him at all like and that's a massive part of who I am as a human so it's like yeah yeah. um but it's kind of funny because he doesn't believe in it because he's very scientific it's his own trauma but yet does because he'll go have you got one of those feelings about this (laughs) and that was it really amuses me it's it's like, right to have you don't believe in any of this stuff because yeah but have you got one of your funny feelings (laughs) (laughs) It makes me giggle, but you know, that that's it. It's just stuff, isn't it? Um, thank you. 
Um, I know because we, we had the pre-conversation, you were a bit hesitant. You were like, oh, I'm not sure I can talk about this. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we can. Um, <laughs> I just didn't want to think, you to think that I had a, a, an exact answer, but we've, we've talked no, about that. There is that. no exact answer. isn't like an answer, is there? And no, I'm still why I want to tell all these stories. I just want to mm-hmm. keep telling people's stories. And everyone like, because it, it'll be one little thing that clicks for one person and they go, oh, yeah. okay. Um, yeah. And, and that's if I why can something that helps someone else, then fantastic. Oh. I mean, I've learned from this, you know, just to make sure my next partner is <laughs> the open communication. <laughs> no, there's been other things, you know, about your book and so on. There's always, yeah. there's always learning, like you said, mm-hmm. isn't there? Um, that's if true. people want to get in touch with you, what's the best place to find you? Is it LinkedIn or? I guess, I guess LinkedIn, yeah, because I've just got my, my personal profile on there. So Ingrid Morgan, I don't think that yeah. there's lots of us. I work for... No, um, great name. Nice and Yeah, Rin, Rin Hander and Co. Um, or they can find us at our mutual connection, yeah. Yeah, always yeah. happy for people to get awesome. in touch, definitely. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and being so open. It's been absolutely brilliant. Oh, fantastic. I look forward to listening to some of your other episodes as well to hear some of your oh. other guests. That's and good fine. luck with that memoir. I will be buying it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm (laughs) honoured. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Damage of Words. How brave, how vulnerable. All to inspire listeners like you to take a step or inspire others to take a step. Imagine what healing we could create if we normalise this conversation. So please pass this on and of course subscribe so we can do just that. Until next time. Thank you.